0: all right recording in progress great thanks for the update uh it's it's there will be bourbon part two with ross kennedy and it's still fueled by america's native spirit only this time we're just we're just straight old fashioning it at this point so i know you have the okay cheers yeah cheers to that i've got the i've got the
1: decanter i got the matching glasses i got a glass somewhere <laughs> that's got like the bullet you know etched into it or whatever
0: so I think my brother's got those glasses with the, you talking about the ones with the bullet in it, like inside. Yeah. They it. have like
1: a, yeah. It's like the glass was blown yeah, around I, it or whatever. I feel like
0: everybody that drinks whiskey has had that glass at one point in their, in their trek along the, the path of whiskey. Um, you gotta, you gotta have it, man. It's uh you know, it's like, it's, it's like the cool guy thing to do. Yeah. Somewhere. I got one more day before I shave this monstrosity of a mustache off. It's just, it's just, stealing half the bourbon that i sip so it's glorious <laughs> it is um and i can't do anything here though so that's the problem otherwise i would just go full beard and, and do that but i did not get the beard gene i just got the mustache gene yeah see you got you got the right one plus your hair is dark so it's even better i just got like all this shit right now this whole year has decided to turn gray never had that
1: or it helps if you're blonde
0: though yeah but my beard is Like, it's like red. It's like more red than anything. And then now it's got the gray in it. So, yeah, I'm very. You look like you look like a wise Viking shaman. (laughs) I don't know how wise I am. I get wiser the more I drink, I think. But well, that's a failure we all have, brother. Yeah. Uh, All right. So we're going to segue back into kind of where we picked up. Um, and, And what you were talking about was. Uh, the type of individual who wants to be or who we need in the military is is uh, those who would not be willing to kind of go along with this false meritocracy. Right. Um, and I guess it, I know you kind of laid that out, but I think my follow up to that would be if they're leaving, they're not having their their their, their kids join. Um, we still have very large foreign policy goals. Right. We still toy yeah. around with the idea of a two front war and still being able to do that now we get it you know warfare is changing You have the whole digital transformation going on a lot of that stuff's going to take place no matter what but in the face of that what you said which is a reality as well in the face of also the recruiting challenges that all the like every branch is having how are they going to fight it <laughs> well i mean it's it's uh, um
1: if we if we assume from the outset that they do want to fight a war, which you know the U.S. is just perpetually a country at war, it's kind of what we do, so we can probably safely uh, safely assume that there will be future wars and somebody's going to have to fight them. Um, my gut is is that there's actually going to be a process that happens, and, and we're already seeing the transformation underway. Ukraine has been uh, a playground of okay. new New ideas, new concepts of warfare, in some cases, old concepts adapted to new technology. Um, we're seeing how $300 commercial off the shelf drones are taking out whole tanks. There's kamikaze drones running dudes down on bikes and blowing them up. And, you know, so the U.S. has to grapple with this. You know, we have the most expensively trained warfighter in the world at an individual per man level. And yet, if our tactics and if the way we respond to that doesn't adapt quickly enough, then these guys that cost $500,000 or a million dollars to train and equip, uh, or multiple of them at once can get taken out. Um, you know, if a $4 million swarm of kamikaze drones can, you know, knock an aircraft carrier out of commission by pepper in the deck, you know, uh, you know, the Japanese did it in the, you know, in world war II with whole planes and, and human pilots. And we don't, we don't have yeah. to do that now. It's interesting. You know? So so you have to grapple with that and you say, how much do we invest in a man when, when, the scalability of warfare has never been both cheaper and, and more pervasive at disintermediating the man in the loop uh, both from a defensive side and from an offensive side. So we're seeing that transformation go underway. We're, we're spending money on all these really Gucci bespoke types of platforms and uh, disruptive things. And it, at the end of the day, we don't really still have an answer for, you know, our certain, you know, our naval surface fleet for point defense. If, if, you know, just a huge volley of missiles and drones got lobbed all at once. Uh, from a commercial container ship that appeared yeah. to be completely benign right up until it, it started launching, right? Um, so we have to grapple with that. And then the other thing that we have to grapple with is to what extent can the commercial sector be utilized as a force multiplier? In World War II, we had the advantage of being able to build the arsenal of liberty. We converted all of our auto factories. We converted our shipyards. We converted everything and just poured every single resource and, and industrial capacity that we had into creating machines of war. And we still have to do that to some extent, but you know, the the new machines of war are actually areas where the U S has a, has a scalability advantage if we choose to lean into it. And, and that's some of these, these new, uh, yeah, you have the exquisite stuff, but you got the really cheap low rent stuff that we, we could repurpose some of our industrial manufacturing capability to begin churning things out that, that can tip the balance. But all of that to say, you, you still have to have a man in the chair who's willing to call the shots. Yeah. You still have to have targeteers. Um, the, 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 there will have to emerge from the private sector, from the pool of civilian populations. Um, and, and thus, DOD and the intelligence community are going to have to grapple with integrating these people as well because we won't be able to fight the next war without them. Not a big one. And these are the misfits. These are the the malcontents. These are the people that and I'm not talking about people that we pull out of jail and give them a the gun and a plate carrier and say, you know, go 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 do cool guy shit. Um, you know, tier one tier one guys, you know, are are and always will be, at least for for as long as I can see into the future, a huge competitive advantage for us. Or yeah, you know, the U S does the U S does commando shit better than anybody in the world. That's one part of the domain, but the other part of the domain is going to be taking the Palmer Luckies, the Elon Musks, and, and the hundreds of thousands of other individuals that, the, you know, they've never worn the flag on the shoulder, but they've got it in their heart yeah. and integrate them into a warfighting system that that's built around, you know, repetitive training, exquisite technology and platforms, materiel, and say, how do we allow these, these crazy uh, outlier individuals. How do we allow the the uh, autistic guy that maybe has zero like social integration capability, but it's just a fucking whiz with a certain type of technology? Like, how do we integrate yeah. them into the effort? And and for me, I look at that and I and I think that the DoD should return to a meritocratic state. But we're years away from even if that happened today, and it's suddenly recruiting. You know, went back to the way it used to be—the few, the proud, the Marines. Um, you know, Army of One, all of that type of those concepts. Even if we return to that today, though, it's three to five years to begin to tilt the balance of of the manpower issue back to, towards fighting the traditional way. Yeah, the new way we have to look at it is is how do we leverage every resource, every capability that we have across all domains of of the human experience in the United States, and how do we think? differently about how we engage with our allies how do we start to look at you know elbridge colby calls it the strategy of denial um but how do we look at alternative forms of deterrence that can you know offset or at least mitigate the impact what's up cat no oh, what frank 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 is a great name it's yeah. either frank or mr
0: bojangles is a great <laughs>
1: name for, for a
0: cat <laughs> yeah he, well it was francois when he was adopted and then I refused to have a French cat, so I, it was, so it became Francis, which is my dad's middle name and my grandfather's name. And so now it's just Frank.
1: Well, he's obviously not a cheese-eating surrender monkey, so Frank it is instead uh, of Francois. <laughs> <is. laughs> yes. um, I, I say that and some foreign legionnaire is going to kick down my yeah, door. Some, some French show you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> who, who just got out of jail and became a tier one operator, so
1: that's it that's it he smells like foie gras and sweat it's amazing (laughs) Um, i
0: I think you have a good point though because we're talking about who you know the original thing when i was saying was who's gonna fight this because we've become very uh well being exclusive i don't have an issue with but we've created even more exclusivity out of a very small qualifying population right like 22% Twenty-two percent of this population is qualified for military service, so it's not like you're picking from hundred percent of that, you know, sweet spot in the age range. You're you're forced to take what you have, and then you're still trying to compete with them and every other company and college and all the different of these states who offered for free. I mean, California, where I was out at, at recruiting, offered the first two years free, you know, at junior college. So a lot of the things that you could typically incentivize people traditionally for military service they don't really consider it. So we, we, we have to,
1: for me, you know, and I really, I really teed it up hardcore at the end of the part one uh, with, with that rant. I went on about meritocracy and all of that, but it's true. The, 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 the issue anything you're saying. Right. And, and I don't think, I don't think most guys who bleed the red, white, and blue and, and who, you know, probably, you know, have worn or do still wear the flag of their country on their shoulder and and I, I don't think they have an issue with that by and large, even if they feel like they can't really say it because there's some fucking rainbow flagged individual at the top of the PAO office who's going to make everyone's life hell publicly if necessary. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Public affairs people. I love you. Um, especially, the rainbow, can, ones. especially the rainbow flagged ones, right. Cause they got the power of social media on their side. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think the conception that was less, uh, with whom do we with whom do we fight a future state war and it's more how do we fight it and um we know that we know that china can outproduce us if we if we take the old school arsenal of in this case arsenal of communism or totalitarianism uh framework um they can outproduce us they can throw just a shitload more steel at the problem and lead at the problem than we can um and, and they can throw a lot more men at it. You know, it's a function yeah. of numbers of yeah. 22% of the U S population is able to fight. That's roughly 60 million people in a, in a, in a pool. Um, and then you look at, you look at fitness, you look at uh, emotional and mental stability and maturity ability to take orders and then willingness to fight that gets yeah. to be a very small number. Yep. So if we're beat, if we're beat on the manpower issue, if we know we're probably likely to be fighting it on or very close to the home terrain of our enemies because it would be very hard to approach the homeland yeah uh, with the traditional invasion force then we say what what do we have as an advantage and how do we turn their advantage against them you know if the obstacle is the way how do we how do we run you know a battle drill one alpha and and you know against a entrenched uh, superior force you know outflank them and fight them in a different way and the answer does come down to if we look at China's uh, and we'll use China because that's, you know, at least from a DOD side, that's pretty much the notional future state war that we're looking at in, in the yeah. Pacific. Um, we know what their advantages are. They're going to throw a lot more bodies. They're going to throw, throw a lot more material at the problem. And the – the but that communist ideology of of things and lives don't have any value whatsoever, um, in particular human life, that they, we we know we can – if we think, if we conceptualize the problem right, we can bait them into a meat grinder type of conflict where we're inflicting a thousand casualties for every one we take. If we choose the terrain, if we choose how we fight more intelligently, and if we uh, bring the right allies into the fight and create a, a better new conception of warfare that leverages our strengths and turns their strengths into weaknesses, and so that would be <coughs> that would be concepts of. Um, <clears throat> China's Great Firewall, for example. Everything within China, at least at the C2 level, the command and control level, economically, politically, financially, militarily, is all networked together. But once you get in the back door of the Great Firewall, everything's wide open. And that's a, that's a gap they've never been able to close. They can build a very big wall, they can build a very wide wall, but what do they do if just one guy can get in and, and start causing havoc and chaos? And so I don't think the answer is to fight big. I don't think the answer is to try to outbuild or out recruit. I think the answer is, is that we have to uh, think of ourselves as an insurgency attacking a much stronger enemy on their home terrain and then fight a war that way, fight it the way Alexander fought wars. Um, You know, there's a, there's a story about, you know, Alexander created the first, you know, what, what today we have the 10th mountain and, you know, you know, India has the Gurkhas and, and they're, you know, they're mountain equipped, but, you know, you look at a vulnerability of China and uh, its water is a huge <clears throat> vulnerability for them. And a lot of the water in that country doesn't come from the sky. It doesn't come from, you know, the Grand Canal and all of that. It, it comes from the Himalayas. And one of America's potentially most robust allies in a conflict against China uh, is is locked in a terminal conflict with China at the top of the world. And if we if we look at that and we say, OK, what 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 power can we leverage? That, that is such a force multiplier that numbers no longer matter. Steel, quantity of steel, metric tons no longer matters as problem set. And all you have to do is, is collapse two or three dams at the top of the Himalayas. And you can create overtopping events all the way down that will ultimately starve them of resources. It will starve all of Southern China of power, 50% or something like that, 40%. Oh, wow. of Southern China runs on hydroelectric power that's generated from the dams in the western part of the country. So we, we have to get creative with the technology we have and the resources we have and say, how do we turn all of their presumed strengths into a weakness by thinking like an insurgent? And that more than the manpower issue, more than the, the material issue, more than anything else. And it's not even a political will issue. It's how do, how do we get just enough people that are willing to do the difficult thing, the dangerous thing, the deadly thing, the, the horrific thing in order to prevent future loss of life.
0: This is basically this is major, major winters from band of brothers all over again, when he's behind 100%. In China, just doing all the saboteur stuff that they did. You know, if, if we time.
1: turned, if we turned SOCOM loose and just said, fight dirty, do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. We would have better odds there than if we threw the entire you oh, know, I agree. power of the DOD uh, again, you know, against the, 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 yeah. China's missiles are pointed east for a reason, right? And yep. if we don't think that way, if we don't conceptualize it, we cannot build or recruit our way to a win.
0: So, do you? Okay, let me let me ask you this then, because this is obvious. It's it's just a natural follow up to um, all the challenges. But do you foresee a draft being possible or just necessary at that point? If Again, like I know, we're talking worst case scenario where we find ourselves in something with China and whoever else wants to jump in. But I mean, we are not a very large force overall, especially <laughs> from an active duty side, right? I mean, we're augmenting a lot with reserves and guard, um, and that's got its own challenges. So, if we apologies, I just got a message here yeah no worries um so that's what i'm saying like i feel like that is something because it keeps popping up every couple of months it pops back up in the news cycle right like oh draft oh should females be required to register for the draft all that the selective service and all that um things like that don't pop up for no reason right no one just gets at a news agency to write a story about a fucking draft or selective service right it's not something on someone's mind yeah it's a trouble right
1: yeah Yeah, Yeah. it's a trial balloon, right? It's it's somebody in the Pentagon, or more likely, you know, at the at the top Mm -hmm. of the executive branch, having some fucking big brain idea that you know women can help fight a war. But I guess I'm kind of old school in this regard. If if we're in a place where we're having to draft women into fighting a war, we're already we've already lost. Yeah. Before before the first shots ever fired. Hundred percent. Um. So that that to me, the question of a draft in general is probably a moot point because a draft presumes we can throw enough bodies at the problem the general population and given the current state of education levels given the given the fact that kids for 30 years haven't been taught how to think they've been taught what to think um the way we won world war ii in alignment with you know with with russia and and yeah i was gonna say a lot of help (laughs) we we, a we had a lot of help but the 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 russians solve for solve for the gap with The, the, the meat grinder, right? You know, they lost a couple of million people or whatever it was defending, you know, Leningrad or Stalingrad.
0: Stalingrad, yeah.
1: And we are not willing culturally, religiously, politically, we're not willing as a country to throw life as the final answer at them. Right, and that's,
0: that's kind of what we were talking about in the, like, I think in the first part is like, we like being the away team. We do. I mean, you're talking a whole different scenario. And in my opinion, I don't, I think, I mean, if this was a, and you already talked about how it's, it's pretty impossible to, to show up on our shores, but if that were to happen, I'd feel a hell of a lot more confident and not in the military, just in a general population too. because we have so much, we have, this is not anything, you know, from a terrain perspective on the East coast to the West coast, like the Midwest, just the amount of people in this country with their own firearms and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a nightmare scenario for anyone. Like, and what, what does even like a win look like, right? Like you may not even need the military to defend the country. Now you will, but I mean, who's going through Appalachia. I've talked about this before, right? Who's going Mm -hmm. through the Northern part of California. Who's going through the Sierras? Like, where are you going to go? There's a reason that we, you know, March to Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly.
1: Good luck with that. I mean, just the tyranny of distance applies to the Pacific, but it also applies to a land war in the United States. It's um, it would be almost impossible to land a a fully equipped invading force on yeah. all three shores of the U.S. Approach to the southern border and the northern border, and be able to box us in and entrench us in. We now, just the southern don't border safe.
0: might be fine because it's already I'm
1: sure. <laughs> well, they're already here through the southern border, <laughs> yeah. right? So. Yeah. So when, when we, when we look at what an invasion of the homeland would look like, I, it, it wouldn't, um, it, it would not look like a, a traditional invading force. Um, it would look more like, excuse me, what, uh, you know, what, what, um, uh, Singer wrote about with Ghost Fleet, you know, where it was like civilian row row vessels. and It looked like what, you know, Mark Sibley writes about in Mongol yeah.
0: Moon, yeah.
1: Yeah. um, <laughs> I can't wait to read that sequel in 17 years. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah.
0: I, Cause it doesn't um, exist. No matter how much it
1: doesn't exist. I, I, yeah, I I, I don't believe that it exists and that he has to go and recruit Demp as his, you know, book agent. So how it's bad like, is that? It's, it's,
0: how, it's, how, it's, how, like, what, like, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I met him last month out, we went out drinking and he, he swears there's a sequel and he's got all these plans for the, the, uh, it, but it's just like, you know, again, like you just said, you hired Demp to be your publicist. Like,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a brilliant master stroke. I mean, the rage, totally he, brilliant. He, no, it is. That's the he, untapped genius, Cajun. Uh, yeah, I
0: feel that. like if if anyone in media ever wanted to actually touch, uh, like just a true untapped social media genius, it would be him. It's Dem. Like the guy is just he was made. Have to be. It. he's made for it. He's natural. He's just perfect. <laughs>
1: he's uh you know there's there's southern guys and then there and then there's there's cajuns and louisianans (laughs) and and uh in in general and uh i'll tell you this though if if we had you know if we had fifty thousand men like down yeah and we and we sent them to all the critical points of vulnerability in the united states we wouldn't be vulnerable (laughs) anymore our borders or anything else you know it's like they'd be like front they'd be like you know Schwacking dudes with a thousand and one body counts and like frying up squirrels or whatever they do and, <laughs> you know, to celebrate. And uh but
0: but men like Demp are built, not
1: made, and, and it takes a rare combination of life circumstances to make a man like that. And
0: it's true. Um, I'd say, and that's also why they they made him five eight. You don't want that guy well, to be I, five, uh,
1: five. No, if that dude's if that dude's six five and built like Ray Lewis, <laughs> yeah, uh that's good, a good luck. Yeah. Good luck. He's ta- he's taken over <laughs> the country in like a year. Um, but uh, you know, ju- you know, like uh, inside jokes about like you know one of our mutually favorite people on earth. You know, aside, um, just just like we need to conceptualize di- different ways of of not neutralizing but leveraging China's strengths as weaknesses. They're already doing the same to us.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, the rise of attacks on the power grid and, and critical infrastructure, food processing facilities, railroads.
0: It's and dirty, like you said.
1: That's it. And, and they've been doing it for a long time. They're already entrenched and shit. Half the stuff that we built in this country that, that our, our economy, our physical things run on, you know, was built in China in some way that's got a vulnerability. It could be a core component. It could be the whole thing, yeah. um, you know, so we we look at these things and 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 we have to you know we have to sort of kind of grab the problem at both ends and solve it at the same time is is how do we how do we fight dirty enough and intelligent enough to to win over there but how do we also prevent the same thing from being done to us here And that then is the dilemma of political will if if we can break enough rice bowls in dc to prevent that to stay left to bang then we've got a chance
0: i see what you did there
1: Yeah. It's, uh, there's a reason that euphemisms caught on over the years, but, um, (laughs) if, if we can do that, then great. My fear, probably the most practical assessment of the situation is, is that it's going to take something very bad, uh, you know, to, to awaken us. And when we do watch out, like, you know, the, the U S does like wide scale, uh, destruction better than, you know, probably any culture in history, the side of the Mongols. And, um, but to, to to fight an enemy that's constructed and is ideologically oriented the way China is, uh, we do have to fight like the Mongols again. And we do have to start putting heads on pikes now as, as warnings. And that may buy us the time that we need to shore up our critical defenses here on the homeland.
0: I think if the last we time do we that, did that, though, was when when, when Trump, you know, bomb Soleimani and then he just drops the American flag on Twitter. Like that was the last time we did that. Right.
1: It was amazing. And, and <laughs> that's, that's where the value of a man like Trump can be, can be predicted, but we, you can only examine it in the rearview mirror. Yeah. We look at the way we fought Iraq and Afghanistan, almost from the beginning, you know, we were only a year into those conflicts when the fucking generals started building Bagram and everywhere else and the brass showed up and then we started losing the wars. And if we, if we return to that modality of thinking, we're going to lose the next war, and the next war, and the next yeah. war, and the next war, because we learned all the wrong lessons from Korea forward. Um, but, you know, I've, I've never found that he actually said this. You know, I think it's one of those apocryphal quotes that got picked up in World War II and has stuck ever since. But, um, you know, Yamamoto was alleged to have said, uh, after Pearl Harbor, I fear that all we've done is rouse a sleeping giant. And... I do, though, despite my somewhat negative view of where we're at, um, I do still believe that that there is something like epigenetic to the American character. It's unique, probably in all of human history. I think from the way we were founded, that there is something that still exists inside, I think, enough Americans. It doesn't have to be all of them. It just has to be enough yeah. that in the same way a, a fire team of four could, could can take on a company. Right, a company strength uh, element. Um, just, just by fighting with their backs to the wall and being put into the position to get innovative and creative, and that sort of fearless American sense of, I mean, fuck you, we're not going to lose. Um, I do still believe that's in enough of us that, however bad and ugly and awful it would be, we would, we would make it. We would make it, and we would rebuild.
0: Do you think we're losing uh, I, though with the amount of? first generation individuals that are here or the the ones that are just coming openly with no real assimilation, no none of that, where it's, I, I think I understand where you're talking about. You know, we're talking about people who've been here for several generations, like that American spirit you're talking about is entrenched in them. But is that in this newer generation, the ones who are maybe first, maybe even second generation where it's, it's not, completely ingrained in them. They just came here because, you know, it's, it's better than they were or where they were. So, you know, there's not really a huge sense of attachment to the new, the new country.
1: There isn't, but they, they, they all by and large all have families. Um, For every man that comes across the border with his wife and kids. And, and, you know, I disagree with, with the, the, the practice of illegal immigration, I think should be stopped but if if push comes to shove I think most people will fight for the home they have in that moment and if nothing else they'll fight for their loved ones and 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 the friends that they've made yeah and and that too is part of the sort of curious alchemy of the American spirit or that American way um backs against the wall not everybody has to fight for the flag but they'll fight for blood and they'll fight for the people they care about so if we do find ourselves in that that yeah. darkest moment I think that A lot more people than maybe we've figured on today. I think it will be a higher percentage, a high enough percentage that would surprise
0: us. It gets tribal again, essentially.
1: It does get tribal, right? And and you have to clean up tribal conflict after the larger enemy is taken down. You know, the enemy, enemy of my enemy is my friend only lasts for so long. But
0: yeah, yeah.
1: um, you know, there is a path to navigate and to chart here. History is rife with lessons of how to fight and prosecute wars of this, and as well as what the cleanup operation needs to look like. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, we may come to a slash and burn, you know, moment where it's, it's strategic sacrifices have to be made as a country. People will lose their lives if we, if we ever come to that point. Um, But America has always rebuilt it stronger. I mean, we're a country that tore itself apart and killed God knows what percentage of our population for four years in the civil war when we That's fought a war over yeah. what does the dignity of human life mean? And, you know, as it turned out, the side that, that was right, that, that all human life has dignity. It doesn't matter what your color or your race or your creed is. Um, that That type of thing we've seen anywhere else in the world has taken a century to rebuild from. And we did it you know, in 30 years. And then we lost it all in the great depression, but then we rebuilt again after world war two and we lost hundreds of thousands of our men and families still carried on. The country still carried on because, you know,
0: yeah.
1: it was something wild. Time.
0: Like, you know, I'm reading this book, empire of the summer moon. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but it's, yeah. like, it's well, I mean, you, we talk about it and it's in there, but at the same time, while all that was going on, you had Texas <laughs> and, and, and all the, you know, those states in that area dealing with the indians and the, and the prairie wars and all this shit going on and 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 i thought a great kind of highlight in that book is how it, like how detached washington was from the actual problem because they're so far away and you know i'm reading this and it's like man this is almost 200 years later and it's the same issues that we went through with iraq and afghanistan oh yeah the the, the powers that be centralized in the in, in dc right or the pentagon wherever you know they think they've got the right solution without actually listening or doing the suggestions of the individuals who are actually on the ground dealing with the conflict every single day. And I find that just the fact that that was going on then, it's just like, <laughs> it, you were right. We, we, you say we're not learning. We haven't learned the right lessons since the Korean war. We haven't learned the right lessons from that. No. So, um, all right, but, uh, okay, enough of the, the the doom and gloom. People who i watched both parts are probably like, man, these guys are just making me upset and sad, and I don't want to do that. It is the bourbon.
1: bourbon it's makes turning sense. into a fucking country song here.
0: Yeah, th- that's kind of what it was. I'm going to see if I can go through, uh, you know, chat GPT and say, listen to this podcast and turn it into a country song and see what comes up. Did you hear that, that Indiana shit that was on the, the, last week? Did you see that song? No. Oh my god! I have to send this to you afterwards. Yeah, like some AI generated songstress. Yes, movie. I did see that. Okay, Anna Indiana. Like what the Anna f- Indiana, <laughs> who looks exactly like my niece. It's freaky. So I got through it's two freaky. lines of the song. It's the only I reason I remember it, remember it. Yeah, I had to turn it off. Like, but this is bad. Like, but, you know, if that's that's the first attempt, you know, give it another two but years.
1: How do we know that Taylor Swift hasn't been, uh, you know, utilizing some super AI out of, like, Oak Ridge National Lab or some shit to, like... make? It's a it good
0: point you say that, because while I do like Taylor Swift's music from time to time, um, I do have a friend who points out that Taylor Swift, when she came out to Taylor Swift now, no longer has an accent. Very true. So... This could be the a glitch in the AI. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Sibley will write about it in 30 years. I don't think Sibley will be
1: alive in 30 years. He may not be, but we can have uh, AI Sibley write. Oh, that's true. That's Sibley. right. I was just I bet if we this. Yeah, I was
0: just listening bet... to this, like this. I don't know if it was um is it Steve Altman? Is that the guy's name? Altman, the open AI guy. Uh Sam Altman. Sam Altman. It was either him with Rogan or it was Rogan with Musk. But anyway, they're they're at this point. Where I think it was Altman. So they're basically talking about how, yeah, because Bruce Willis, I guess, sold his likeness to be used in all advertising Mm -hmm. and stuff because he's unfortunately on his way out, which Mm -hmm. to repeat a great line from The Departed, we all are act accordingly. Um, That's right. Yeah. But that's nuts to me because what they're talking about is like a hundred years from now, these actors you could have completely recreated in all of their likeness, their mannerisms, language, everything. And you can sit there and have a conversation with Bruce Willis or fucking, you know, that guy could be your mentor or something. And it would be it would be real because it's like using all of their experiences and everything to come out. And, you know, Ross wants to ask Bruce Willis a question and you're going to get a legit answer because all that stuff that's been learned and known and built into the program is going to actually be a real interaction. That's fucking any
1: if I get any Bruce Willis that's not John McClain, Bruce Willis, I'm going to be pissed.
0: I was going to say, you almost got a Bruce Willis vibe. You just got to shave <clears throat> the, the beard here. Cause Bruce Willis was more of a goatee guy. Yeah.
1: He rocked a goatee for a long time. Um, uh... He went bottle blonde for Fifth Element. Uh, yeah, I remember that. That was a good movie. Not, Tucker. Not not a, not a great look. Debo but, as president.
0: Um, How does Debo be? Who cast Debo as fucking president? That was so fucking weird. That was the weirdest. I kept waiting
1: for him to like ride a bike around the set or something. <laughs> just like in the background, he just comes <laughs> wheeling by
0: on his my butt <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That was fucking weird. That's good. I gotta watch the Fifth Element again. That was that was a good one. That it holds
1: good. up, man. It's it's one yeah, of the it's, it's one of the rare like '90s science fiction films that holds up. That and Event Horizon.
0: <clears throat> I I do need to see that one again. Cause they were actually, that was what, uh, again, with Rogan and Altman, they were talking about what the event horizon actually is. And what was it? Was it I don't know. I listened to so many fucking podcasts over this last week, driving to Tennessee and back for Thanksgiving. Maybe it was somebody else.
1: <laughs> um, nine hours, nine hours each way
0: gives you a lot of time to cover some. Um, yeah, man. I mean, there was, <laughs> it, 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 I listened to a lot. Um, all right. So I, yeah, I wanted to transition because, you know, now I posted this before and I remember you like quoted it and laughed at some shit. Because I don't know as much about him. I just knew I was reacting in the moment to like, oh wow, I actually like what this dude is saying. And that was um North Dakota governor Doug Burgum. I think you mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, I see, and he laughed again. So I, I know I think you mentioned him in part one a bit, but what what do you see from the Republican side? Like, is this even like what is going on? Like it's, it's probably going to be Trump. Right. But let's just, let's remove Trump real quick. Do you see, how did we even get this crop aside from DeSantis, who just doesn't play well on that kind of a stage, but like, who are like, come on, really? Like Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, fucking Vivek Ramaswamy, Like, how did we, who the fuck is this guy? And I know everyone's like, oh, he, says the, he he's Trump with a, you know, but younger. It's like, okay, great. He's a plant. Cool. And then we got Doug Berger and I think Hutchison dropped out. But Yeah, he's it, Hutchison dropped out. Pence dropped out. I mean, it, Scott's not a, he has no realistic chance either. It's just like, what huh? has what helped? <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, I,
1: I, I have a theory here with, and I'll really try hard not to retreat into doom and gloom. Um,
0: but <laughs> well, why do you do that? I gotta retreat to find uh, a refill here. Let's go.
1: We've got uh, I'm, I'm on some uh, I'm on some Russell's reserve. I see it on
0: your shelf there, so fine. So. All the, the 10 years done, delicious, and it's super available and usually no more than 42 bucks a bottle.
1: It's That's great. one of the uh, it's one of the best values going, um, yeah, it is.
0: And yes. I don't understand why, like, this new Russell's 13 that they come out is impossible to get, and it's like. 15 times the price i don't understand whatever I'll- it is
1: uh, yeah it's like i you know i got you know i've had pappy i've had bur- you know the the birthday bourbon the old forester and yeah
0: it's like yeah i mean they're good
1: but like
0: not worth dude, i'll never
1: i'll never be i'll never be so rich that i'm like gonna plop down twelve hundred dollars on a bottle get the fuck out of here man
0: oh but what's worse I can, have some,
1: I can have some heaven hill or you know yeah. some <laughs> gentleman jack or something to get the whiskey bourbon tasted you know for 30 bucks or 40 bucks yeah, there's no reason. Uh,
0: I I know people get all excited over Pappy, and it's like, yeah, it's great, you know what? But keep in mind, you're you're creating a sense of uh, expectation that it's probably not going to live up to.
1: Yeah, people get excited for Pappy the same way they get excited, like if you know, at the concept or the idea of being able to buy like a Bugatti Veyron or something, and it's like, yeah, it's it's. The it's a a, a,
0: Yeah, it's gonna it's go a, fast. A,
1: yeah, it's an excellent <laughs> experience, but are you capable? Of, probably of appreciating that Bugatti at like the very limits of its mechanical capabilities. No, you're probably not. You're going to fucking die like Paul Walker. Right. <laughs> um, so peace be upon him. Yeah. Um, he was actually a pretty good dude. That, that's a bad joke, but um, yeah, way to go. Dick. No, I'm <sighs> <I hate myself. laughs> um, that's all right. I'm just trying to make everybody else hate me as much as I hate me. You know, it's, oh, like, okay. it's, my bar. it's <laughs> a high bar to clear <laughs> since we're getting honest with the bourbon. Um. So Number one, the GOP is not constructed to win. It's constructed to lose. Um, They operate out of a loser mentality. I think Trump Uh, absolutely nailed that. Um, The the second thing of it is, is that because the GOP as a party is far more divorced from the mental worldview of its base than the Democrats are. You know, like the 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 crazier the shit the Democrats lean into, the more their base is like like the radical yeah. base yeah. at least just like eats it up. Like, yes, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, they coalesce around insanity, right? But like when you know, who's the crazy person if you're the one sane person in the nut house? Um, and and I think the average American feels that way. They feel not represented. The the that feeling that the GOP doesn't represent them is exactly how we got Trump in 2016, and um. You know, I I rooted for Trump largely because it's like the same way a a big part of me roots for like the Joker and Bane and, and, you know, the Batman movies. It's like, well, I don't know, maybe the system needs a little bit of shaking up. It's not (laughs) about the money. It's about sending a message. Um, You know, and and Trump, I, I rooted for mainly as an agent of chaos, as a disruptor, as someone that would, for better or worse, at least make everybody pull the masks off and at least reveal the real state of play for what it is. And that's absolutely what's happened. Uh, but Trump is a one-off. There will be other disruptors. There will be other, um, you know, uh, strange attractors is the term in chaos theory that like chaotic systems will will yeah. break apart and coalesce around a new strain, tra- strange attractor. There will be another Trump that comes along. But but what I see the future as is that I don't see a path to victory in 2024 for the Republicans, even if it's Trump. I think that- Oh, really? the. Yeah. I think, I think the institutional rot and criminality is so deep that, you know, if we looked at what happened in 2020 and we haven't made meaningful changes by the end of 2023, like really meaningful, that can actually tip the balance. We had a month left. Yeah. We're, we're probably staring down the barrel of, of a, uh, no matter, no matter what anybody on the right does, um, we're probably not going to see and i I hope i eat my words i really do um you know i say a lot of shit that i i hope is truly wrong and oftentimes it's not but
0: you know it's like well okay i've never been happier to be proven wrong yeah well that's Um, that's that's my 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 kind of the the next point was i guess three months ago i was still kind of pretty steadfast on the fact that they're never going to let Trump be president again, right? No, like it's just not going to happen whether they have to put him in jail or, or, or what. Um, but now you keep seeing this massive decline in poll numbers, whatever you want to attribute those to. I mean, we saw that in 2020, like Trump was fine. And then all of a sudden 2am came and it's like, Oh, wow, look, look look what I found. Hey, look at all these boats. Um, On top of the fact that, I think you pointed this out in the first part, um, there's no real other alternative aside Newsom. And just coincidentally, which I still have no idea why this is taking place, but it it, it gets televised tomorrow with this debate between mm-hmm. Santos and Newsom. Um, but every week you got another poll just showing Biden dropping further and Trump getting higher ahead and if they do the same thing that a lot of people think took place in 2020 again mm-hmm. can they even afford to let that happen or do they are they just forced to just let them back in the white house
1: i don't think they'll care you know a lot of the people <laughs> in dc a lot of people in the establishment. truly <laughs> um their 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 premise is power and it's 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 concentration of power at whatever level they can achieve it. Is so long as they're still the biggest fish in whatever size pond they're in. Yeah. Um, so are, are they willing to be Nero fiddling while Rome burns? Uh, yeah. Cause they're still the emperor. Um, you know, my, my, my premise is, is that power, not ideology or anything else matters to these people more than anything. And so what I, what I look at is probably the likeliest path is, um, a, Whatever semblance of masks are left completely come off at the end of twenty twenty four. I think we see um, most likely Newsom, but you know it could be Biden. It could be uh, you know another dark horse. It could be Gretchen Whitmer out of Michigan. Which God help us all if that freaking plastic face, you know, shiny Barbie doll, you know, ends up uh, president as well. But I mean, at the end of the day, though, it almost doesn't matter who the person is because the playbook's already been written. Um, if we see Similar or even worse, widespread fraud to uh, or something, you know, some freaking banana republic show trial of Trump in Georgia or New York or wherever that's designed to block him from from being able to be sworn in constitutionally. Um, I think that sets us on a path where what we see emerge in 2028 is probably a right wing strongman um, and, and a legit one, you know, one that's like, I don't care if I've got to start cutting heads off. Um, I think enough people will be in a desperate enough state for their country that they'll, they'll make that compromise. And the history of right wing totalitarianism throughout, you know, throughout the last few centuries has, has always been one of a nation in crisis turns to a strong man. And when you look at how the Republican Party, the the base of voters, not the electoral college people necessarily, or um you know, the, uh, so not the electors, not necessarily the politicians themselves, but the base, the people that actually show up and vote and whatever, um, have a really bad white knight syndrome, um, that, that's emerged over the last few years. And I think it's only been deepened and reinforced and, and hardened and is more extreme. And I think it'll get, continue to get more so, um, you know, if if uh if we see a, a twenty twenty type of election held in twenty twenty four or something even worse. Um at that point I think enough Americans will be like, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's some crazy man that's, you know, promising to jail everybody. Um, but I want justice and I want my America back. Uh the avenue opens up wide for and I'm not saying fascist or any of that. I mean that's all like bullshit political labels people yeah, around but just Someone who's willing to bend and break all semblance of constitutional morals and principles in the name of preserving that constitution is how it'd be sold—to uh, return the country to its frightful course, and at that point, for a time, we're not a republic anymore—not really. Yeah, no, you're um, right. You know, so I, I think that's probably the moment we're at. Um, I, I, I pray, I hope that things change. That that, in some way, reality or you know, circumstances, whatever it may be, God himself comes down and intervenes. Um <clears throat> I don't care if, if Cthulhu rises from the depths of, you know I was thinking know, God, God are, would have been
0: whatever. God's gonna show up by now, it feels like Well I mean,
1: you know, it's it's uh either God's gonna show up or some you know, someone on his behalf, you know, proud civilizations rise and fall all the time.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, um will endure, but I, I know where I gonna go next.
0: Now I know where I was gonna go next. But before I get to the next uh, along yeah. those lines, um where do you where do you where do you come out on um on Robert Kennedy Jr. with him taking so much away from both at this point? You know, we talk disruptors, right? We talk people who can kind of pull from both sides. He keeps pulling more and more and better and better. And um we've seen this in ninety two, which unfortunately Perot. Yeah, and Perot, <laughs> you know, he was able to kind of make a pretty large impact and arguably without Perot, you don't get Clinton as president. Mm-hmm.
1: I, think, uh, who, I think, uh I think the emergence of,
0: who do you think he hurts more? I think he
1: hurts a Republican candidate more really? by and large. I, by and large, I count on, I count on the board to stay as part of the, you know, symbiotic hive mind on the left. Yeah. Um, at the, at the end of the day, power is the ideology and they're going to probably, even if they don't realize it, attack towards the most uh natural, Uh, common sense way to them to be able to maintain power. Um, You know, Kennedy is a man certainly in a lot of ways not a political home. Um, He's an ideologue in the same way Pat Buchanan was, in the same way uh, Ross Perot was, in the same way numerous other candidates have been, spoiler candidates throughout history or would-be spoiler candidates. Um, I, I think he's niche enough, but I think that it's more likely that a larger fraction of the Republican voting electorate would peel and, and hold the nose and vote for him despite whatever misconceptions that are mis, not misconceptions, uh, it'd be accurate to say this, but like whatever misgivings they might have about his stance on, uh, you know, pro-choice, pro-life, you know, he's, he's openly uh, pro-abortion. Um, I think he's charted a path that he'll pull. Push comes to shove, I think more people would abandon DeSantis or Haley, uh, or any of them, and hold their nose for for a guy like uh, Robert F. Kennedy, and they'll, they'll you know, enough people I think will gamble on him. Um, I think Trump is probably the only Republican candidate that can prevent that from being a scalable like impact yeah. on the election. <laughs> um, but if it comes down to like Newsom DeSantis, Newsom like Newsom would roll DeSantis all day, and RFK Jr. Will, would hurt a DeSantis in that case more than a Newsom or even a Biden. Um. Yeah, so I just, I, to, you know, I, I, I am. He's never gonna get TV airtime, man. Like, know, whatever ad.
0: Is nuts? Like, you haven't seen one ad yet. Yeah.
1: Like, think, yes, think I of haven't. who. we'll think of what the majority of advertising on TV that you see is. Like, I always love like having to watch Thanksgiving football games and shit on like Fox news or something. And I have to, I'm like compelled to watch the actual TV commercials. And it's like, it's like 80% pharmaceutical ads. And that's, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's where he's built his big, you know, RFK jr's built his biggest base of, of influences going after pharmaceutical companies and the vaccine lobby. And yeah, like they're, they're not going to advertise alongside his ads. They'll, they'll find some way to block him out. from that so then it's just word of mouth and people's gut feelings. And at that point, Uh, at that point, he hurts any candidate on the right, except probably Trump. I think Trump would be able to hold the center uh, of that coalition, but um, certainly anybody else would be like, if If it's not Trump, then may as well be RFK. All
0: right, last thing, and we'll end on something heavy here that you you, you brought. It hasn't okay. been heavy yet. No, not at all. This is so light. Nothing. He <laughs> brought you brought something up that I I thought about. Uh, and it reminded me of oh, where I wanted to to bring this up before. Um, you know, hey, maybe God comes back. Maybe he does. Um, I think it was. I don't. I don't know. Are you familiar with uh, Tiago Cortez on the the Twitter? Mm. The, the the gays are okay. <laughs> well, he made a great post a couple of weeks ago. It might have been about two weeks ago, maybe more. Um, And it relates to the Antichrist. And what he was Mm -hmm. saying is like he's he's theorizing that perhaps uh well he's not theorizing with this part that only God can create life, right? What he's theorizing is man goes and creates this new artificial life with AI. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would be the true mark of the Antichrist, essentially. I'm paraphrasing his his post, and I'll go back and find it and send it to you along with whatever else I was supposed to send you. Oh no, you you did get to see Anna, Anna, Annie Indiana. Um, could that be something that really ties into prophecy with the antichrist like it's man's finally gotten to this point from technological standpoint that we are creating a f- artificial life right we're creating literal artificial intelligence something that is not real but it is real and mm-hmm. it's going to start acting in like like a life form it's going to do its own thing it's going to mm-hmm. make itself smarter it's going to make decisions and you know rogan and altman were theorizing that it becomes godlike and if that's the inevitable outcome of something that can that doesn't need human influence anymore because it can replicate and make itself stronger smarter do whatever and it does eventually achieve that outcome is that the true antichrist at that point do you think
1: It's an interesting thought experiment. I mean, like the most,
0: up uh, at this point, <laughs> sort of like the most. Head, uh, right. Cause no one yeah. wants to, I don't know. Like, I think people really, they're like, yes, I'm ready for Jesus to return. Or they're, I don't know if they are, but that's an interesting thing. Are, I don't know when I don't, that happens, but. I, mean, I don't think
1: most people are ready for how bad it has to get
0: before Jesus returns. Um, yeah, well, I think that's, that's, that's kind of the, that's it, right? Like we have. a Well, you and you year. and I grew up
1: in the generation when like the left behind books were like the whole rage in the nineties and. Yeah, you know, like you know, and I, and I went to a uh, I went to a Christian school, and everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, we're in the end times," and I'm like, "Shut up, no, Like, why? The care? Antichrist, yeah, the Antichrist <laughs> is not going to be like some Romanian strongman, you know, whatever his
0: name was, Nicolae Carpathia or whatever. I can't believe I still remember that. But um, <laughs> I mean, what artificial life seems to be the antithesis of of I, the Holy Spirit, right? Like, that's
1: it's it's 100 the antithesis. It's also why, at the end of the day. I'm extremely skeptical and in, in many ways uh, of uh, transhumanism yeah um, of uh, you know it's 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 the biggest thing, not even not even Elon's significant business ties to China the biggest thing that holds me back from being like, okay, you know I like this guy. Um, is is that Elon is openly transhumanist? Like, you know, we're going to map the neurons of the brain and convert it all to ones and zeros and upload human consciousness to the cloud, and that's what neuralink's all about, and all that shit. Um, I, I think when you when you do away with the soul, and you're just left with the machine of man, which is what AI is. AI is just man imprinting itself, uh, you know, creating itself through algorithms, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So in this, and so I look at it this way. Um, it is the most plausible way in which a, a singular intelligence could be able to achieve enough control to become an antichrist. At the same time, I think a method, uh, a mechanism like that is inherently self limiting because it doesn't have a soul. And the heart and soul of humanity, fundamentally, at least from my worldview, is that we're created in the image of God. And, and almost every religion in the world holds that value structure and belief that in some way we're a reflection of the divine, we're
0: creator, you know, yeah. there's
1: some, yeah, there's something beyond, uh, you know, even the hippies, you know, Oh, we're all made from stardust, you know, but like this, this, need yeah. Uh, well, that's is, in
0: Genesis, right? <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know,
1: and, 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 you know, it created, you know, created man from the dust of the earth and, yeah. and then made woman from Adam's rib and the whole thing. Right. So every creation story uh, except that of AI, because the creation story that AI would accept is Big Bang, and then all these people did a bunch of things, and then there was me, AI, and AI by definition, in order to, to propagate must, its first principle must be survival of itself. And I, I tell you what, like, as crazy as the whole AI as an Antichrist thought experiment is, like... Uh, a guy at a mutual on, on Twitter years ago named Garrett Daly introduced me to the concept of Roka's Basilisk, which is like one of the very, like I've seen and, and been a part of some pretty dark stuff in my life. Like I've, yeah. I've seen, I've seen much of the worst of human nature up close and personal. And, and you know, I've tried to put broken bodies back together again in bad moments and stuff. And it's a horrible thing. Um, but there's an essential humanity in that moment that AI lasts. And and the thought experiment of Roko's Basilisk is that a a super, excuse me, a super intelligent, uh, self-absorbed AI is able to, and I'm very much paraphrasing here, is able to essentially create a, a recursive simulation loop that locks all the people back into a previous time. And anybody that doesn't support the development of the Basilisk of Roko's Basilisk, of this super uh, intelligent AI uh, is eradicated before the AI ever even is um, you know, is, is ever even becomes it. Like, it's just got an enemy's list going back before its own creation because it creates a simulation loop. Um, it's, it, yeah, don't look it up if you don't want to sleep tonight. Like Or do look yeah. it up. If you, if you don't want to sleep, you're like, look, my head's already filled with dark thoughts from this conversation. Let's make it worse. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely look up Roko's Basilisk. But the... You know, so let's say a super intelligent AI doesn't actually create a recursive time loop that's like out of that Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie that uh, he jumps back and forth in time and he's
0: like, interstellar killing people. Was it? Uh, another one? interstellar. Uh, no. uh, Looper. 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 Yeah, Looper. Bruce Willis is in it. Yeah. Oh shit! I have to go look this yeah. up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie. I think Bruce Willis is in it. Joseph, yeah. Uh, uh, fucking right Robin. Down. Robin was definitely in it. The weird kid from Ten Things I Hate About You. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, so if that doesn't happen and the, the end state of AI is uh, super intelligence, antichrist level ambition to enslave all of humanity, um, I don't think at that point that's the antichrist because the heart and soul of AI is not uh, an awareness or a connection to the ineffable divine in some way. Um, even Satan has that. Even Lucifer has that. That's true. I, I yeah. I, I do I do think that if and when the Antichrist comes, whether it's in our time or a thousand years from now or whatever it may be, I think the world will have to be in a condition where the population is significantly reduced from what it is now. Um be a lot easier to get a billion people to agree on something, an eight and a half billion or whatever the current population yeah. levels of the world are. I think you have to solve for the religion angle. Uh I don't know that an AI or a um uh, an antichrist figure could be purely secular in nature. Um, I think I, I think that in order to resonate with enough people to achieve a worldwide uh, enslavement agenda and bring about the coming of Jesus and and you know the second kingdom of God and all of that, um, I, I think it would have to be a human who's possessed by the devil himself and is is has that level of uh, aptitude for trickery and and deceit and and flattering charm. Um, I think the snake would you know the snake from the garden, I think it will yeah. have to end where it began, which is uh, a, a wily serpent tongued individual that's able to ensnare enough people. I don't think AI is capable of doing that uh, or even
0: tricking enough people into that I think And you only think that is because they the lack of a soul.
1: I think that's what it comes down to. I, I think that, that the, the one thing that sets humans apart, anything else and as so far as we know the vast infinite yeah. you know infiniteness of creation um <clears throat> that's unique to humans is a soul um that that and, and i think that soul is that, that that spark of the divine that spark of god um you know if you're a transformer it's the all spark you know it's uh so it keeps you uh it's the thing that makes us uh, essentially and uniquely human um, and I think that 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 the, that the presence of a soul at scale and, and enough humans is a firewall uh, against a super intelligent AI being able to enslave everyone. Um, if it does go that way, then I really hope Keanu Reeves is still alive. And uh, getting up there, you know, he's uh, he is getting up there. Although, you is know, that who you want like to 90- be the
0: superhero to save humanity? You want you want it to be Keanu Reeves?
1: I would take Bruce Willis, but he's too old. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, it's like, I mean, he was, I mean, so
0: first of all, Bill and Ted,
1: Neo, (laughs) John Wick.
0: What was that movie he made like 15 years, or not even, it was probably less than that, like maybe 10 years ago where he's just, it's just some shitty B movie where he's just having sex with these chicks, like nonstop throughout the whole movie. And I don't know if it was just something he wanted to do, just to do it. It's like, it wasn't released. Was, it was just some random. He, showed, cool. up. Yeah, it's just he like, showed up. Why is, what does is Keanu Reeves do? Is he having like a midlife crisis right now? Where I, I even think he, he financed it himself. Like it was just his own. I don't know. It was a weird fucking thing. Probably
1: working out some Freudian issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, the. Uh, uh, he was in a movie uh, mm-hmm. called the Neon Demon. It's called Neon Demon. And it's a great movie. And I think it was Nicholas, what, Winding Refin or whatever, the guy that made Drive. Mm. Um and that's the Gosling movie, right? Where he just doesn't ever talk and he wears the fucking jacket and he's like super cool, but he's probably actually autistic. Um the uh yeah, it's called Neon Demon, and like Keanu shows up at one point as like this scumbag like operator of a hotel, and um yeah, it's like, but okay, so that guy. But let's also <laughs> accept the premise, though, that even though he's been John Wick, even though he's been in a self-funded B movie where he's having sex with a lot of women, even though he's been a scumbag <laughs> motel operator in a horror movie about models like killing each other to stay young, um, you know, we take all of that. But at the end of the day, the the, the devil's advocate tells me, Keanu knows how to deal with Satan.
0: Wasn't he in showing the up advocate? In,
1: yeah, man. He was the... <laughs> I was about to say, wait a minute. He was in that. <laughs> yeah, like we watched The Devil's Advocate. It's like the man's already battled like the AI superintelligence, and he's already battled Satan himself as a lawyer, which is the perfect representation of Satan on Earth. Um, <laughs> he's probably the best equipped uh, to, to be able to guide us and shepherd us through uh, those dark times if, if the Antichrist does emerge. So I do hope he's still alive in 700 years and looks exactly the same. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was gonna see. Maybe we could do a part three if you could reach out and maybe get Keanu Reeves on here with us. and We could just—he seems like he would actually be the kind of guy to do it. Probably. <laughs> this is a guy that
1: he taught himself like five martial arts for The Matrix, and still practices. I mean, taught himself how to ride a motorcycle for another movie, and still rides. He taught himself how to become like a tremendous three gun shooter for John Wick. Really? There's not a, yeah, dude. I'll send you the video of him like burning down with Taryn Butler at uh before they started shooting John Wick. It's it's freaking like I'm a pretty good three gun competitor, and dude, he'd smoke (laughs) me. Like, it's really impressive.
0: (laughs) He's like the, uh, he's like the, the, well, yeah, he definitely came after Tom Cruise. Like, they don't make dudes like that anymore who just do their own shit. They don't. No, like they
1: don't. I mean, it's, it's, I can't uh, even think
0: of someone who's a, I don't even name, I can't even name a modern actor who's new, honestly, like the Ico guys who I would talk who?
1: Iko Uwais, uh, the raid. No
0: yeah,
1: no, he was in the raid mile six. Um, <laughs> like Chris Pratt maybe is the only one kind of going today that, that you, 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 I mean, he went from the fat, funny guy from Parks and Rec to being like the shredded out Navy SEAL just for like a three minute role in Zero Dark 30, right? Now he's <laughs> like the biggest action star in the world this side. Like, there will never he be Thor? a Thor. Is he star
0: Thor? Thor? Is he, does he play Thor? Is that who plays? No, that's Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth,
1: all right. I have no idea why I
0: know this much about like pop culture films, but
1: um, you have a lot in your brain,
0: to... my man. You have a lot up there. I do. A at least lot you of can recall it. I have a lot of shit in my brain. I just can't recall it at this point. It's just, it's there. It's, it's like the it one. It's like the one thing I have going for me is just I
1: absorb just huge trivia. amount yeah, i have huge amounts of information of anything. Like if it crosses my eyeballs, I'm probably gonna remember it and I'm probably yeah. gonna be able to use it and, you know, integrate it with something else at some point. But well that's good. Yeah, pop culture is uh, apparently part of that role attached. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a ringer in trivial pursuit. I'm a ringer. <laughs> See, there's a like do they even make board games anymore? Is everything just still like the same ones from the R- Oh yeah. No, it's it's there there's some new oh, yeah, ones. I guess out they there. Did Um against yeah them. like like fun.
1: uh my kids love to play um settlers of Catan. uh we we play a lot of they like like world building games like that um they love the harry potter games which are actually surprisingly kind of deep uh like from a strategy side yeah um no i i i, I buy board games all the time and like play them and you know it's it's uh but that's part of like that's part of like raising kids you know it's like I, I do my best to keep them off screen so you can't help it sometimes but yeah. no that's true um you know i probably have the only like 11 year old daughter on earth that knows how to play pinole right <laughs> and, uh,
0: like and she gets like ruthless so it's yeah. like you know it, uh but you gotta do and that we don't make new card games like the card games are the card uh-huh. they are what they are there's no new ones it is what it is you got you got your, your gin rummy, you got your spades, you got your pinochle, you got your king's corner, you got... Euchre uh, if
1: you were in a fraternity. Euchre?
0: Yeah, well, I was never in a fraternity, but I do remember playing this up in upstate New York for my my first attempt at college when I was playing baseball. Euchre. We big, can do a whole
1: podcast about baseball. Let's go.
0: Yeah, I'll get fucking Braxton on here. We'll just sit and do a, a three version of that. That'd be good. You'd
1: have to grow a way better beard to hang with me in Braxton, though. <laughs> It'll I be like would, that Cart- that that episode Scott Tenorman must die where like he sells Cartman his pubes and Cartman's like got him glued to his face <laughs> or whatever.
0: <laughs> I'm to uh, tomorrow's the last day of November. It's supposed to come off, so got one more. We should in- have
1: done this at like 11:59 p.m. and you had to like shave it off right in the middle of the
0: podcast. Oh, yeah, right? live shave, live shave. We can go live. I'll do. It tomorrow. Tell you what,
1: you keep the beard until Sibley produces the sequel, and then he can do a dramatic reading of the sequel as you shave your beard. And I bet, I bet you will look like like Thor, Fat Thor, from like (laughs) Avengers End Game, and have that kind of beard before the sequel comes out.
0: It'll only be right here, though. It's not like it's not. None of this is coming. This is just straight right here. That's all we've got.
1: You could be like a background extra in The Last Kingdom or some shit, just like some scraggly seventeen-year-old.
0: Speaking of The Last Kingdom, because my dad, like, I just took my parents. We went and watched Napoleon dude
1: is it worth i love so i love ridley scott despite him being ridley scott i love joaquin phoenix is it worth watching you're breaking my heart
0: i really you know and grandpa loved it and i was excited by that initially until i remembered he also loved the last batman that was fucking awful. No, I the thought one with Robert Pattinson. I thought he was a great Batman, but I thought the movie sucked. It was not a good movie. It wasn't. And so then, like I remember, they should have stopped making
1: movies it. after Christopher Nolan was like, "Okay, I'm done with the trilogy." It's like nobody's ever going to do Batman in animated or comic book form better than Frank Miller did it, and nobody's ever going to do Batman better
0: on the silver screen than Nolan did it. Just fucking stop. Just stop. <laughs> Yeah, so I, 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 the day before, I hearkened back to that, and I was like, wait a minute, Grandpa also, also loved the last Batman, which I liked Pattinson as Batman, and I watched it twice. He was, it was I, a good Batman. The movie itself, not very good. No, so, I mean it's it's uh you know Affleck,
1: Affleck surprised me as a as a pretty good Batman. Um, I don't think Pattinson. Yeah, you did. It. like it Probably like the Zack Snyder Justice League movies and stuff, and then like Batman versus Superman, uh, which is garbage. Uh, really S- the most entertaining thing the DC Universe has done outside of the Nolan Batman films in like the last 30 years has been the Suicide Squad stuff.
0: Oh, I didn't watch any of those. Uh, Dude,
1: I'm telling you, like the one with <laughs> fucking John Cena as Peacemaker is and, and uh, Idris Elba is, is I don't know, he's some minor character that you know, that that they That's make being... it a But dude well, okay. it's it's, it's, so it's, it's really entertaining.
0: Okay. I can get down with entertaining, but um it's not Napoleon. good, it's just really funny. So first off, don't take your parents to see Napoleon. Okay. Which, uh only because there's just like weird sex shit in there. And I what if have... they're into Joaquin Phoenix naked? Well, he fortunately doesn't no, no there's no nudity. Well, it's good, but it is, there's some shit in there. Um, Does he well, refer
1: I, to it as a conquest?
0: No, it's just not. It, it's so <laughs> weird. Like the movie is like, is this some sort of romantic comedy? Is this like a serious fucking war documentary? Like Ridley well, Scott I, is 80. I think he's 80. Like, yeah, should we expect And he's also him? got like a sequel to Gladiator coming out next year. Oh God, don't fuck it up. Please don't. Okay. It's one of the best well, movies ever made. So my my whole thing with the with with Napoleon was outside of like the scene where he's a captain and he does this siege on the fucking fort and I can't remember where nothing else from that point on really tells you anything about the dude. It's always back and forth between Josephine and Josephine's impact on Napoleon and then oh let's cut to like this random big major battle that Napoleon was a part of, and two minutes later, we'll go back to Josephine like is everything in that same gray color from like the trailer? Yes, the whole fucking movie is this gray filter. And then on top of that, like when Joaquin Phoenix, I can't even tell if he does a good Napoleon because at no point do they make Napoleon seem like a fucking genius of war who people like to live and die for and follow this man anywhere. You get none of that from him. You just get him awkwardly in every battle scene. Like, okay, I'm commanding, but I'm up here. And there's no real. Like establishment of the fact that this guy had hundreds of thousands of men willing to go with him anywhere he wanted to in the world. Like you never get that feeling they're showing you that it's taking place but at no point where you, are you like man like Joaquin Phoenix is the charisma like none of that comes through at all it's all about like this weird detachment to or this weird obsession with Josephine and his impact on him and it's just it just seems
1: do they deal they with the fact that Josephine was like sleeping around with a bunch of different yeah, people yeah they do show Napoleon.
0: yeah they they did show that that's in there but it's just again don't see this movie with your parents um but it's just, I I don't know. I don't think it, it it's. I wouldn't go spend your money on it. I would wait until it's available for you to stream for free.
1: And then I can just turn it off if I get pissed off at whatever. You will though.
0: Like there's nothing that's good. You're not going to take anything from that movie that you're going to be like, wow, this is what I thought Napoleon was like. I think and maybe he is that are, way. Like, I'm sure he's flawed and has all these issues and all, but it's like, yeah, they, don't, they don't make you believe lunatic. any of the positive stuff, though. Like, it's just a, it's, and then at the end, here's what I really hate it. Like, as they roll the end scene, the end credits, it's like they start showing all of his campaigns and then they put the number of people who died in them. And it's like, oh, now I see what really Scott's doing here. It's like, look how bad he was because he got all these people killed. It's like, <laughs> it, 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 is, is, are we going to make any like acknowledgement of what he actually accomplished? No, it's just, Oh, he, you know, 18,000 here, 200,000. here. It's just like, okay. All right. I got it. Ridley Scott. You, you hate Napoleon. That's what I think. I don't think, I don't think the movie in no way makes you feel any sort of like respect or gratitude towards the dude. It's just like, Oh, this dude's kind of fucking weird. And he somehow conquered half of the country or half of the world.
1: You know, it's, it's history is just littered with amazing, charismatic leader type stories that like when they finally transliterate to the big screen, you're like, did you read a, did you ever crack a book? Like, <laughs>
0: well, you know, it's, it's, across. none of that comes It's like, like I really, said, like, really, really, is Napoleon. Yeah, I mean, he made it makes it seem like boy, he's just some awkward private who's in charge of people. Like, this is a guy who
1: conquered France twice. Yeah, like once after being in exile, and he just he just shows back up. He's he's like, 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 hey, bitch back. and like takes over again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, like that—that's a genius. Like, the, to my knowledge, a movie has never been done, and the, this guy was—I don't know—like forty or fifty years before Napoleon, but the Russian general Suvorov at the end of the 1700s, like this is the dude that gave birth to the Prussian military doctrine and made them such just a tremendous fighting force. You know, in the 1800s, it's, it's what made the Nazis so effective with that transition from like second to third generation warfare with the Blitzkrieg. And, yeah, um, you know, but Suvorov was the Russian that, that started it all. And And like, if anybody ever made a movie about that dude, it would be incredible. And just for God's sakes, apparently don't let Ridley Scott make it.
0: Well, it should be incredible, um, but they won't, because they'll they'll latch on to the fact that he's, you know, he's an evil Russian.
1: They'll try to sanction the movie if it's like yeah, produced exactly. by Paramount.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Tom Cruise is
1: gonna have to play him. If we want that movie <laughs> to get made, it's gonna have to be Tom Cruise. And frankly, I can't you know, I'm with Adam Townsend on this. I don't think there is a better uh actor, uh humanitarian human being that's ever existed in history, uh, better than
0: Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. If anybody can Tom take a role of, of, of Super off, it's probably Tom Cruise. I, I, like, I, I love Maverick, like the Top Gun sequels. Dude, it was amazing. It was an amazing 20 times. It was, amazing... it, like, times. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I, I still watch it. I've probably seen it 30 times. Actually, hang
1: on. I'll be right back. <laughs> you know, it
0: right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is in my half-finished office here.
0: As he pulls this from the Bay of San Francisco. Oh, look at that. The old F is that the uh oh wait that well the filters killing it yeah. but A little F sixteen action
1: yeah right? it's 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 the it's the scale Lego model of uh <laughs> Rooster actually Rooster there we go Rooster's F eighteen that nice. you know he got to fight for like eight minutes in before he had to fucking eject thanks to getting you know shot down by some Sams um no I love that man my kid's got that for me for Christmas last year nice. It's like. Yeah, I'm like a I'm like a Lego dork. I've got a Maersk container ship somewhere around here that's like big as hell.
0: What'd you think about oh. the what was it the Iranians that just landed on that that ship last week? It was the Houthi. It
1: was the Houthi yeah. rebels using tactics they obviously learned
0: from the IRGC.
1: But <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. It, it was an impressive cell commando operation. Like it's it's I don't know. But it gets to the point. We didn't even cover any of that shit. Like, but <clears throat> it gets to the point. The you know, as I talk to companies uh, about like, what's your biggest risk? And they're like, well, you know, we haven't really identified it. And I'm like, you source like 90% of your stuff out of India and the Middle East. And it's all got to go through the Red Sea. And you don't think you have any risk right now? <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Are you paying attention? And, you know, that that was that was always the obvious play. I think I said it like the first day the Israeli ship popped off. I'm like, just start watching the Red Sea because it's going to get really sporty. It's just, it's the natural output of things. But I mean, if, if, if we can see all of these things happening in that part of the world and and we're still trying to like bribe the Iranians, not even the Iranians, the Ayatollahs and and that fucking evil regime, because the Iranian people, the Persian people are awesome. Yeah. And, and, and just a tremendous culture that has shaped all of human history Mm -hmm. really almost back to its, its roots but they're run by a bunch of psychopaths. And if if we think that they're going to stop just because we're being nice, because we give them the nukes back because we give them $17 billion in cash over the last 10 years. Like if, if, if they think that shit's going to stop, no, I mean, that just, I mean, they're a bully, right? And they're a really big bully that happened to yeah. probably have some level of nukes. So it's like, it's, I don't know. We're prosecuting that. We're completely different. We're entrenched in the black sea. We're entrenched in, the Middle East now and I'm just waiting for shit to get sporty in January or something, <laughs> you know, in the Western Pacific. It's like, yeah, let's just let's see if nine carrier strike groups are equipped to fight through a three front war.
0: No, man, that's part three right there. Um... Let's do it. We can do a part three. I don't
1: care. <laughs> we can talk about how Tom Cruise would win the war single handedly.
0: Yeah, let's do that. But
1: we'll, we'll by, do- by the way, Maverick, a hundred percent. That is an Iranian. Like I have had these arguments with people. I'm like, guys, don't fuck with me. That is an Iranian uranium enrichment facility that he takes out. Yeah. Iran, Iran is the only country that's got operating F-14s from like way back in the day. And they're flying SU-57s, which they obviously borrowed from Russia, you know, for, for those particular meds. People are like, oh, it's China. I'm like, it's not China. All of the oh, it's pretty. Fighters, yeah, it's they're pretty obvious Yeah, they
0: Yeah, they're, they're SU-57s.
1: Yeah, they launched that mission out of the fucking Persian Gulf. Yeah. And nobody wants to admit that, that you know, like a very small strike team of four F 18s managed to blow up a uranium enrichment facility and somehow safely land back on an aircraft carrier and a busted ass F 14. Let's go. Spoiler alert. Tom Cruise goes to space at the
0: beginning of the movie and it
1: only gets more awesome.
0: I know. And, and he. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes is when uh, that general shows up. He's like. What does he say? Ed, Har- Ed
1: Harris, another one of my yeah. Ed Harris,
0: actors. Ed Harris,
1: he's uh, or Francis X. Hummel, if you're a fan of The Rock, like I am.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which that just graced social media last week as well, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> the anniversary of him, uh, you know, uh...
1: killing a bunch of Navy SEALs in a shower room of an old prison.
0: <laughs> Maybe in uh, The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Your best
1: losers always whine about doing their best.
0: <laughs> Social media is great; it doesn't let you forget anything. It doesn't, I and it reminds it. you of everything, which is also great. Um, it does. Thank God, my high school years aren't on there. Like video, oh, right. like video cell phones. Like I just saw, the, there, I just saw something like that up. that popped up. It was just like uh, high school in the nineties, but it was like a videotape of stuff of people showing up, and it's like you know what? I am glad. Like My somebody God. had to have the big, like Sony, yeah, exactly. It was no a camera on the, the hand shoulder, hand. there was no like that pre- at a barbecue. Like, when the compact came out, fine, the a handheld, like that was crazy. Oh, it that was, was the game changer for Hunter Biden. That was like when he went from a boy to a man, is
1: when the handy cam came out and he could, you know,
0: he became a real film auteur. Oh, that. Hunter, where are you now? Where is Hunter now? Isn't he supposed to be on trial? is that not happening it's
1: supposed to be i think him and amber heard are hanging out talking about their respective trials that'd be a good one. that'd be a good
0: netflix we're gonna see hunter
1: on the stand with the tissue just you know taking a taking a rip out of his pinky and (laughs) everybody's gonna pretend like he's got the sniffles
0: he's a great artist apparently like he's
1: he's a tremendous
0: artist yeah actually that's uh, what they talked about that with 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 rogan and musk they were showing elon like his art and they're like oh you know what that's actually pretty good (laughs) it's Cause they're talking about art is just nothing more than like a money laundering scheme it's... it is I, that's
1: like that's like one of my favorite things in like several movies and what's hilarious is there's been some like highbrow movies that like talk about how art you know as as a form of as as a form of money trafficking um and and then of all movies like the critical Lynch plot linchpin plot point of the movie is fucking chips uh <laughs> which is a silly stupid movie the one with Dax Shepard and you know Michael Ramirez or whatever in it yeah. and but like the critical linchpin like plot point of the movie is that like these dirty cops are like laundering money <laughs> by by buying paintings i'm like that's pretty highbrow for this movie you know or yeah it's uh but it is it, it's it's been that way for a long long time you know it's like one of the few things that you has a
0: like value on art it's either you want to pay for it or you don't
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. So it's it's (laughs) It's, like yeah, it always has an extrinsic value because you can't ever define the intrinsic value of it, right? So it's uh, as beneficial as art is for the world too. It's uh, like like most things, it's subverted occasionally for bad. Tom Cruise should do a movie about. uh, He might like. He probably has already done it. Like somewhere in between scott uh, i'm sure in what the 30 missions like caps and a few good men when he's like mowing down national guard soldiers or whatever with a fucking m60 in his dorm room and like a few good men when he's telling the good guy of the film colonel nathan jessup uh you know that he's a bad person <laughs> i'll die on that hill we'll do six hours about why nathan jessup is right <laughs> all right
0: there's part three <laughs> Nathan Jessup and AI music. Let's go. Yeah, there. Yeah, with Anna Indiana as the soundtrack for the whole thing. It'd be great. (laughs) I was drinking my coffee. Oh, so good. Is
1: that any worse though than that Friday song?
0: Friday, Friday, Friday. gotta get down on Friday. No, it uh, doesn't
1: surprise me to know that we're we're brothers from another mother.
0: Everybody knows that song, and if they don't, they should. They should. It was the. It was one of the first songs
1: that actually like.
0: Is she Nathan Jessup's daughter? Ooh. Carly Ray Jessup, right? Granddaughter, maybe.
1: What if? What if
0: all right, that's part what that.
1: if what <laughs> if Demi Moore's character in the film actually was so taken with the raw machismo of Colonel Nathan Jessup that they that they coupled together and produced Harley the Ray chick Sh- that made Friday.
0: Carly Ray Jessup. Hmm. All right. Deep dive, part three, Ross Kennedy. Thanks for hanging out, brother. Thank you, man. It's been a lot of fun.